When you hear, we are already free, what does that bring up for you? What comes up for you? Pure change. It's a shift in awareness. It's the ultimate truth, isn't it? Getting out of the matrix. We have a choice. Joy. Nature. A deep resonance. I am more powerful than I realize I am. Human beings are so powerful. It's all there, like the answers are in being a conscious being. Spiritual beings living a human body experience. It's always like, it's simple, it's here and it's now. You don't have to go out and find it. Eat real food. Just shining your light so bright. We're already free. You're free. Like you are You are a walking map. Have always been free. You are always free. Already free. We are already free. Are you tired of feeling misunderstood, disconnected, and longing for deeper connections with the men in your life? In today's episode of We Are Already Free, we're diving deep into a powerful conversation with Connor Beaton, founder of Man Talks, about the importance of and overfocus on vulnerability, creating meaningful male relationships and communities, and embracing our shadows. This episode is perfect for men and women who want to better understand how to foster authentic relationships and support the men in their lives on their journeys to self-discovery. Join us as we explore these transformative topics and provide you with practical tools and insights to help you break free from limiting beliefs and create the connections you've always craved. Welcome to We Are Already Free, the podcast that sparks your inner guide to break free from internal and external limitations. I'm Nathan Maingard, your host, bringing you authentic conversations with edge walkers who defy societal norms simply by living their rooted truth. Together, let's shake off limiting beliefs and embrace the freedom within, empowering you to transform your life and deeply connect with yourself and the world. Let the transformation begin. Connor Beaton is the founder of Man Talks, an international organization focused on men's wellness, success, and fulfillment. He is a coach, facilitator, teacher, podcast host, and speaker, helping men from all over the world to find purpose, healthy love, a joy-filled life, and fulfilling sexual connection. His teachings draw from an in-depth apprenticeship in Jungian psychology, Gestalt, cognitive behavior therapy, and both Buddhist and Taoist traditions. Connor has a no-bullshit approach coupled with compassionate understanding of our own human limitations. He has coached thousands of men through private coaching, group work, workshops, retreats, and masterminds, and has shared the stage with world-class speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Howes, Danielle Laporte, and many more. For more, visit mantalks.com. And listen to this episode to discover the truth about male vulnerability and why it's so important to address it. Learn how to embrace wholeness and overcome the inner civil war that holds you back. Gain insight and practical tools and strategies for men's personal development and how women can support men on this path. The power of radical transparency in connecting with others. And listen to the end to hear Connor share his thoughts on We Are Already Free and how it relates to the journey towards authenticity and personal growth, providing a powerful perspective that will leave you inspired and motivated to take action. A huge thank you to my sponsor for this episode, Zencaster, the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. This is my first ever podcast sponsor, so I'm officially hitting the big time. I've saved countless hours since I moved over to their platform. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or already have a podcast, but maybe struggle with the time and the technicalities of getting good recordings, I personally recommend Zencaster. 
Zencaster's modern podcasting stack allows you to do everything you need for your podcast, from record to publish in one place. I particularly love how it allows me to record in the best quality, even though the internet connection in my off-grid solar-powered studio is not the most stable. It records tracks locally, and then it uploads them for maximum backup and safety. If you've ever lost a recording, you know how much it sucks when that happens. So thank you, Zencaster, for solving that problem for me. Their automatic post-production saves me hours of work and makes me and the guests sound amazing. Go to Zencaster.com, that's Zen, C-A-S-T-R, dot com forward slash pricing, and use my code, we are already free, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. And if you want to help this podcast eventually be ad-free completely, you can find a link to Patreon in the show notes, along with links to Connor Beaton, a man talks, and many of the topics we discuss in this episode. That's all available now at alreadyfree.me slash 29. That's just the numbers 29. And now, on to this community-supported episode with Connor Beaton of Man Talks. I'm really curious to hear, like, how did your personal journey lead you to Man Talks? And what inspired you within that specifically to focus on men's wellness, success, fulfillment, these kind of things? I think the long and the short of it was... I, I always struggle with this one because I think a lot of my my life has gone towards the path that I'm on today. But the long and the short of it was that I was a young man who had a lot going on on the outside. It looked like I had a pretty good life. I was traveling the world. I had a good career. I had the motorcycle, the Mustang, the wonderful girlfriend. And on the outside, it looked great. And behind the scenes, it was just a catastrophe. It's really a disaster zone in a lot of ways. But nobody knew that. And none of my, none of the men in my life knew that. And I had sort of surface level relationships with men in my life. We talked about the standard shit, who we liked in MMA or boxing and what we liked to drink and the TV shows that we liked and where we liked to hike and what was going on with the women that we were dating and the type of women that we liked. But, but what was lacking was depth within our, within the relationships. And so at some point my life fell apart and I hit a rock bottom. And I did what a lot of men do when they're lacking a sense of direction and clarity on who they want to be and what they want their life to look like, which is we blow it all up. And I think that there's something, I've noticed this trend within a lot of men, not every guy, but a lot of men have bought into this story like I did that, that my life needed to fall apart before things would change that somehow change was only possible on the other side of catastrophe, on the other side of rock bottom. I brought that rock bottom in pretty heavy. It was like, I think I've described it before, like that scene in Austin Powers where the steamroller is slowly, Austin Powers sitting on the steamroller, it's slowly moving towards that man. And this guy and he's, ah, and he's freaking out and he's down the hallway and he's taking forever and the steamroller is like slowly getting there. That That was me. Like I knew that this, implosion was coming. I was cheating in my relationship. I was unfaithful. I lacked impulse control. I was struggling with pornography and substance abuse. And I was reckless in my life. I was street racing my motorcycle to run away from what I was actually feeling and experiencing. And to run away from the fact that I really did feel quite alone and pretty out of control. 
and that I wasn't happy. I didn't like the direction my life was going. I didn't know what I what my purpose was, what my mission was. And so I imploded it all. And what brought me to men's work wouldn't be for years and years and years later. And now a decade later, I've written this book called Men's Work. But what brought me to it was after my rock bottom, after this sort of implosion, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor in my life who was in his 70s and who was very well versed in Jungian psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy and gestalt therapy and Buddhism and Taoism and Zen. And I, I was fortunate enough to spend the next two and a half years of my life mentoring with him and doing an apprenticeship, uh, a real true apprenticeship, which not many of us see anymore in the world, where I would pay him for his time and I would learn these, these therapeutic and psychological and spiritual modalities and when I couldn't pay him for his time, I would help out around his farm, farming asparagus and chopping wood and helping him train his Rottweilers and stuff like that. And so it, it really was a lifesaver in a lot of ways. And it put me on a very different trajectory. This little French Canadian, Mr. Miyagi, come into my life and put me on a very different path. So that's sort of the long and the short of it. I just got a, a title in my mind of Zen and the Art of Rottweiler Training. Right. <laughs> I mean, you got to be Zen for Rottweiler training, man. Let me tell you, he had this one dog, the the big one named Zeus, and the size of that Rottweiler's head, man, I'll never forget. And he was this <clears throat> very fierce, but gentle, massive Rottweiler, and it was his favorite. And uh, I just remember being a young man, and I was uh, terrified of it in, in some ways, but then yeah. learned how to face my fear and work with this dog. It was incredible. That also kind of blew my life up. And it's such an interesting one because I still feel like I'm navigating some of the old patternings and old stories. And yet I'm so different to how I was and I'm serving others. And it, it's like bringing up a lot of old fear for me because I'm getting, I'm working with people one-to-one -one with breathwork and coaching, et cetera. And I'm loving it. And I know my purpose now, which I didn't until relatively recently. I had some inklings, but there's still this underlying fear of what if I blow it up again? What if I just drop mm. everything and just turn it into a shit show, man? I would say in some ways, good. Any man who is trying to live at some kind of edge is living with fear somewhere in the background. And that's not a bad thing. I think we've been sold this very over-domesticated way of being in our culture and our life that a lot of men's, their aim is just comfort. I just want to build an easy, comfortable life. Yeah, you might think that, but when you get there, it's going to be unsavory and unsatisfactory in some capacity, right? And so I, I think that, and, and also there's value in knowing that we have some limitations, you know, that we're operating at an edge and we're starting to discover what that edge is, whether that's professionally or, or personally or relationally or sexually or physically or whatever it might be. There's such an inherent value in that. And I think that a lot of men shy away from that. They're not living at an edge. And maybe your patterns will become enticing again. I know mine were. They, my patterns, especially with infidelity, I mean, they just kept coming back up. And I really had to do a tremendous amount of work to figure out what was going on within me that kept pulling me back towards pornography and cheating 
and this behavior that was causing me to operate out of integrity and out of control. And so we can talk about that, but I think the fear of that pattern is not a bad thing. The fear is simply, I find oftentimes there to remind us like, hey, this part maybe isn't fully embodied or integrated. You know, it's still finding its way into our inner kingdom. We're still figuring out how to build a relationship with this part of us that wants to self-destruct, <laughs> wants to blow shit up. And like that's, I, I think that that's part of what we as men have to learn how to tackle is that there's, there are this, these shadow parts of us that are really hard to deal with. And every man has his own version of that. Yours is going to look different from mine. And the men that are listening to this, it's going to look different for them. So I, I would just say great work, brother. Thank you. That's a nice way to think about it. It's a helpful way, which is always good. Is that I love that idea that often the difference between medicine and poison is the story we tell ourselves about it or the story I tell myself about it. And then that gives yeah. me a chance to either empower or disempower myself within that narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember a, a different mentor of mine was, I was working with him and he was working with another guy and he was a client of his and I was apprenticing and he was showing me how he worked with people and he was working with this man who had recently had a heart attack and he said, don't waste a good heart attack. <laughs> and the guy was kind of like, what are you talking about? And so, but behind that, behind his statement was just this notion of nothing should be taken for granted, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's oftentimes these things where things fall apart. We go through a separation or a divorce. We, we lose a business, it collapses, or it doesn't work out the way that we wanted. And and we we as men can be exceptionally hard on ourselves and we can beat the living crap out of ourselves and we waste the lessons that are in the breakdown you know we waste the lessons that have come from from the deconstruction of the company that we thought we were going to build or whatever it is mm-hmm. and so there's a very fine line between medicine and poison sometimes it's our perception that's very similar to anxiety and excitement it's mostly perceptual. It's yeah, oftentimes anxiety is just the energy of excitement that we've coded as something that's negative or bad or something that we can't get rid of or is never going to end, right? And so it's oftentimes our perception of, I don't want to experience this. And sometimes the medicine that we, the quote unquote medicine that we need are the things that we least want. It's, they're the things that we least want, but we need. And we have an extreme level of arrogance sometimes as human beings to say, I know exactly what I need in life. And it's like, well, that's pretty omnipotent and, and probably you don't. I've learned very quickly. It's like, I know some of the things that I want in life, but I don't always know the things that I need. And sometimes the beauty of this you know, experience as human beings is to open ourselves to what might I need that I don't know. And, and that can be found in nature, it can be found in relationships, it can be found in breakdown. It's, it's a, a wondrous experience. Mm. And in your experience, would you say that there are common factors or critical factors for men, like in order to go through what they need to go through, what is it that men need so that they can end up in that space of, or not end up, but that they can live more in that space of purpose, love, joy, connection? Yeah, I think there's a few essential ingredients. I think that competency is one of those essential ingredients. I think that the willingness to be 
vulnerable and honest is one of those ingredients. And I think that awe and wonder is one of those ingredients. And so if we can pursue those three things, and there's many, I mean, there's many other things that I can say, but I think in the last decade of working with literally tens of thousands of men from around the world, what I've seen is one of those three things that either a man is lacking a sense of competence in his life. He doesn't feel capable in communication. He doesn't feel sexually capable in the bedroom. He doesn't feel capable or competent when it comes to earning money or, or, or saving money or investing money or building a business or competent with his own body, being able to know that he can construct himself or build himself to have some kind of strength. When we as men lack competency, it, it really impacts our confidence, our ability to know that we're pursuing something meaningful in the world. And so I think that's a big one. I think the capacity to be open and i know the word vulnerability just is so just fucking like cliche in today's world mostly because if you look at almost all of the therapeutic content that's online whether it's for men or not it is it is highly over indexing the power of vulnerability right vulnerability has become something that is bottled up and sold online for m multiple purposes but i think I think it's the result of a very feminized and hyper-female way of, of doing therapeutic practices. And so when men enter into therapy and psychological modalities, oftentimes those modalities are very much based on the medical practice, which is triage and assign some kind of medication. And so when men enter into therapy, oftentimes what, is, what happens is that they're treated like women to some degree in the sense that they, what's prioritized is you need to be heard and you need to be understood. Now, that is absolutely valid and important for some fewer abused. If you experienced neglect or abandonment, if you grew up with an addict, if you are, if have just lost a child or a parent, if you're grieving in some capacity, or if you're emotionally constipated and you're, you're numbed out and you can't feel, you absolutely need that. If you're disconnected from your anger, you probably need that. But that's, that vulnerability is only going to take you so far and then the competency needs to step in. And then the last piece is this awe and wonder that we have largely disconnected from because you can fucking Google anything. You can see crazy shit on the internet. We have surgically removed awe and wonder from the everyday experience in life. And so what a lot of men find is that what they're really missing is not a deep sense of purpose. They might have a mission in life. They might feel competent. They might feel like they have good relationships and connection. But what they're actually missing is a sense of awe and wonder and the mysterious. We want to believe that we know everything, understand everything, or we're on the path to knowing and understanding everything. And it doesn't leave any room for this beautiful, incredible, expansive teaching experience of wonder and awe. And so I would just really emphasize that that, is, that has to be a part of the journey. It has to be. Because otherwise, we just take on a tremendous weight of ignorance and arrogance that becomes crippling at some point down the road. That's resonating with me because in some ways that's 
feel like that's part of the piece that I'm needing more of in my life right now. I, at times in my life, I've I've had basically just that. <laughs> like I really went the sort of, you know, I was a professional singer, songwriter, musician for many years, and I was ro- rolling with these circles of just lots of hugging and connection and awe and creating songs and dancing and like, wow, life is just so beautiful. But I, my competence in terms of actually showing up consistently for myself, for life, for my wounds, for the shit I project onto others, like was really out of control. And so it's almost swung now, which is, I guess, how it happens. But in a way, it's like I'm so focused on purpose and I'm so focused on providing for my partner and for our land and for my community. Like I just, I just have, I want to show up for, and yet I'm, str- I'm actually struggling to play music right now. And I, like songwriting mm. and lyricism is, it has been a thread through my entire life. So I'm just like feeling this deep resonance of like, oh shit, that's, th- there it is. So thank you for that. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. So a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are women, and I really want to open up a question that is in support of that because I definitely feminized myself for a lot of my life thinking because of the storylines that I carried around, what it meant to be a man, masculinity, the male patriarchy, toxic masculinity, all these different buzzwords that, that I also witnessed in my own life feeling suppressed, feeling like if I wasn't one of the cool guys playing the team sport, then I was going to get bullied and I was sensitive and I wanted to have authentic relating and like, that didn't seem available. So, so I understand, like I really leaned into the feminine and now I'm seeing that there is this profound difference, that there's this profound opportunity for me to be a man in the world. And so I guess the question I'm asking, and in a way it's a question I'm curious about as well, but like how can women better understand and support the men in their lives, whether that's their partners or their brothers or their friends, as those men are, are continue on their journeys towards mental, emotional well-being, and so, yeah, I guess like actions, communication strategies, anything that feels, feels good to share around that. Yeah. I mean, I get asked this question a lot on <laughs> <laughs> different platforms. I've spoken at a number. I mean, I spoke at U- United Nations Women, right, in front of thousands of women from around the world and have spoken at a lot of women's events. And I get asked this question all the time on Instagram. And the sort of shameless plug is by the book Men's Work that I just wrote and read it. <laughs> And just go through it and you'll have a a vastly different understanding of men, the male psyche, the challenges that men go through, and maybe how to support them. The more tactical and straightforward version of that is, number one, begin to look at your own wounds, your your own wounds and pain around men and masculinity, because there's a lot of social narrative that's out there that's telling men, young men, young boys, that it's dangerous to be masculine, that it's toxic to be masculine, right? That it's unhealthy or unwanted, that men aren't wanted, that they aren't needed. And so I think part of the equation is that we have to return to a space of true equal uh, assignment of respect and value between the masculine and the feminine, between men and women, that we can look at one another and say, yeah, we have inherent differences, but those differences are equally valuable. What a man brings to the table and his desires and his drive and his determination and the things that he wants might be different from what a woman wants. Um, They might be the same, but they might also be different. And But being able to value those things is incredibly, incredibly important. So I'd say number one, you know, begin to work on and heal those parts because if you're entering into a relationship where 
you have a general mistrust of quote unquote men in general or the masculine in general, that's part of your work. And a man can show up and be grounded and be present and he can disprove that story as he should, but it is still ultimately up to you to lean into that act of trusting the masculine Mm -hmm. and being able to view the healthy masculine in the world. I think the second thing is encourage men to gather. I've said this for years that women are largely the permission card holders for a lot of modern men to step into this work, whether it's going to see a coach or a therapist or a psychologist or going and joining a men's group. A lot of men are lacking in male relationships and their intimate relationships with women are suffering. How can a man be deeply rooted in his own masculine if he doesn't have any male friends? How is he supposed to see what embodied masculinity, grounded male energy looks like if he's never surrounded by it? But this is the case that so many young boys and so many young men grow up with. It's like 20% of psychologists are male and even less therapists are male, right? Kindergarten teachers, 2% of kindergarten teachers are male. And if you look at the rest of the education system, on average, I think it's like 32%. As you get closer to high school, it starts to go up, right? So a lot of young boys and a lot of young men, they just have never even seen healthy masculinity modeled for them. They've never seen grounded men modeled for them. So I think one of the biggest things that women maybe sometimes underestimate is their influence in encouraging a man to go and get around other grounded men and and that that can be one of the most potent things one of the most life-changing things for another man because there's a kind of transmission that happens in that space where when you're around other men who are grounded who are mature who have been working on themselves who are challenging one another who are bettering one another as fathers and husbands and leaders that is not only aspirational and inspirational, but there's something, there's some kind of energetic nutrient that we receive in that space because our own masculine core, our own masculinity is healed. Our own relationship to men is healed when we get around other men and begin to open up and begin to allow ourselves to be challenged. And so fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of the permission for that to happen is in the hands of women to encourage their, the men in their lives, their brothers, their sons, their boyfriends, their husbands, their fathers, et cetera, to go and do this work, whether it's saying, here's this book or here's this program or here's this men's group. I hope that you go check it out or at the very least sending content like this mm-hmm. conversation or an Instagram profile. I mean, a lot of the men that have come out to my men's weekends, some of the men that have read my books or joined the alliance that I run, they come to my work because a woman in their life has said, I I think you need some other male support. And they identify that the men in their life has no real depth-oriented male friendships and that, that both that man and that woman are suffering as a result of that. So I think that those are the those are just like the main two pieces. No, no, no small task, by the way. I just, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm, I know I'm like delivering it quite quickly and stating it very factually. And I, but I also understand that both of those things are big undertakings, right? There's yeah. no small task in either of those. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. I so interestingly enough, the way that I 
I, I don't know exactly how I found you on Instagram, but I found you was following and just really enjoying. And then I was actually singing praises. I saw your relationship mastery. Is that what it's called? The name of your course? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was I was like just excited about it, and my partner purchased it for me as a gift. I haven't started it yet because I am just so stacked cool. full right now. But I'm keen, man. So like, so that's one of the ways. But then I'm I'm also like, how does someone tell? Basically, what is it I'm trying to ask? It's around like what are the green flags, if you will, for good spaces for men to step into? Because it's one thing to be like, yeah, get men in a group, but if they're in a group drinking beer, watching sports, and you know, like then. Which is fine under certain contexts, but like, what is what are the things that need to be in place for that to be that healing space for men? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it very much depends on what that man is wanting to work on. You know, I think the first thing that I would say is there's some good research by a gentleman named Dr. John Barry. I think he's out of the UK. I've been trying to get him on my on my show recently, and he talks quite a bit about one of the most important elements and attributes that a man can possess is the willingness and the dedication to self-development. That as men, we actually operate at our best when we are working on ourselves, when we're whittling away at our physical nature, our psyche, our, our connection to spirit, our spirituality, our ability to go out and build something in the world. So the more that we are working on ourselves, not navel gazing at our past, you know, sometimes sometimes that that is required, right? Being able to look at our past. I'm not diminishing that. A lot of the work that I do is in that realm. But when we are working on ourselves, that's where we feel the most meaningful. That's where we feel the the happiest. And especially when it's coupled with doing that work alongside other people. So what are some of the requirements for it? I think challenge is necessary. I think if you're in a solid group of men, those men are going to challenge you. I love that there's a bird. I can hear this like wonderful birds on your side. <laughs> yeah. is, that's great. I think if you're in a if you're in a good group of men, they're going to challenge you, but they're going to challenge you in the way uh, what I call calling you forward. And all that means is rather than calling you out, you know, that's some bullshit behavior. Why the fuck did you do that? Da 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 that is oftentimes very shame-based and very ego-based, they're calling you forward. So they know you well enough that they know what you're trying to develop. They know the type of husband and father and leader you are working on becoming. And they're calling you forward into that vision, into that version of who you're wanting to be as a man. Right. So you might say, well, I, like for example, I turned 40 this year, and one of my missions for this year is to be in the best shape of my life by 40. And so all the men in my life have taken up arms on this mission, right? And they're like, hey, man, how are you doing? How's the workout going? What have you done this week? How are you eating? And, you know, like, send me a shot of you know, like results. How do you look so far? How are you feeling? And so they're, they're challenging me and pushing me forward. And so I'm keeping them updated on it. You know, it's like I worked out six times this week and, and those types of things can be incredibly powerful. So I think one is challenge, two is is what I call radical transparency. I think I like that. I think generally men like that better than in some spaces vulnerability. So it's just another way of saying vulnerability, but radical transparency, right? Vulnerability, being able to share openly with those men about what's happening in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the reason for that is pretty simple, which is that Carl Jung said the first step in the therapeutic process in any therapeutic process is confession. 
And the first step in any spiritual or religious practice is confession. And so we as men need a place and space where we can just admit the truth of our life, however it looks, without thinking that we're going to be ostracized or judged or ridiculed or shamed or bullied or what have you, because that's what a lot of men are used to. A lot of men are used to revealing some of the truth of their life. And I talk about this in the book, that there's a chapter on the myth of male vulnerability. All men know that there's a risk to opening up. All men know that there's a risk to being vulnerable. It might lead to them being ridiculed or ostracized. It might lead to the, the woman that they're dating being less attracted to them. It might lead to her criticizing him or not trusting him. There's a lot of perceived downfall or downturn in being vulnerable. So that's one of the requirements of a really potent male space is that you can open up. You can be real about the state of your life in its entirety and fullness and know that the men in that space are not going to judge you because they've walked through, they've walked that plank before. They've taken that step to confess and admit to the state of their life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that's working really well, the stuff that's not working so great, and the stuff that's just chaos and a disaster. And in doing so, you build a deeper level of camaraderie. So I think those are some of the essential ingredients. There are a ton of groups that are out there, right? Like my company, Man Talks, has the Alliance. There's a company called Everyman that has a really great program. There's Men Uncivilized, a buddy of mine runs, Trevor Boehm. I mean, there's just, there's countless groups now. And so I would just say, find one that resonates with you and your character and your personality. But I think that they need to have a good amalgamation of psychological, physical, spiritual, and very practical tools that are going to help you develop. So I think those are some mm -hmm. of the key things. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I know we've got a bit of limited time today. So I, I'm just like, I have so many things I want to ask you and I, and I hope we get to do this again sometime. And, and obviously people can always dive more into what you're doing. You've got such beautiful offerings online. If there's anything like top of mind right now in terms of upcoming projects, workshops, initiatives, anything that man talks and that you are doing that you'd like to get out there, just let us know at this moment, please. Well, I, I appreciate that first and foremost. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the book. You know, we've, mm. I've, been I just launched it January 31st. It's, it's sold thousands and thousands and thousands of copies and people are really liking it. And I think it's a really good access point for men to dive in. Um, and what's been fascinating about it is how men are sharing it. Like men, I've had a few dozen men message me and say that they bought the book for their fathers and that they're actually going through it with their dads, which has really shocked me. And then I've had couples that have gone through the book together, like a, a man and his partner are going through it together. So I think that's one of them. My wife, who's a marriage and family therapist, she and I are going to be leading a, a couple's workshop in June. That'll be out soon. And then we're going to have three or four men's weekends, live men's weekends all over the US this year. Awesome. And those are very, very, very potent. And so for, for, I mean, for all the women that are listening, I, I would certainly say check those out and maybe for some sort of a, a gift or an invitation to invite your man to, to come and check it out or to just sign him up because <laughs> that can be, that can be pretty wonderful as well.
And so just the last question before we move into the kind of Patreon, patron-only bonus round. When you hear the words, we are already free, what comes up for you? Yeah, I was thinking about this as we, as we were chatting, just the sort of nature of the show. And it's a, it's a hard one. It's an interesting one. It's a very, I think it's a very spiritual comment, right? That our nature internally, spiritually is free. But I think that in order for us to recognize that we're already free, we have to aim for wholeness instead of perfection. And I think that oftentimes there's a kind of puritanical approach to self-help and personal development where, especially in our Western culture, where we're very A-type and very go, 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 people are more aimed at perfection than they are a sense of wholeness. And wholeness is where freedom resides, right? When we, When the different parts of us are no longer battling it out for acceptance, right? When my shadow, when my insecurities, when my inner critic, when those parts have a seat at the table and I've built a relationship with them, then I am returning to the state that I came into this world as, which is free. Because when we come into this world, those parts aren't at odds. It's over time that our parts start to become discarded and we have judgments about them and then we feel a kind of inner civil war that starts to build. So I think in many ways, it's a reminder of the soul's journey back to wholeness or the, the spirit's journey back to wholeness, whichever access point you prefer. So I think that's what comes to mind in the sense that we are already free. Well, thank you again for your work in the world. And I'm so excited to, to get onto your course as soon as I, like that's the next course I'll be taking once I'm finished with what I'm doing right now. So I really feel that that what you said that resonate like when I'm improving myself everything else kind of falls into place in a way even if I'm not like you said I'm not perfect I'm I'm getting so many things wrong but like I'm taking that next step I fall down and I just get up one more time then I fall down and that's kind of like there's something so hopeful in that so so thank you again brother I'm, yeah I really appreciate it thanks awesome thanks for having me thank you again to Connor Beaton for your time and presence on the We Are Already Free podcast. And thank you, dear listener, for being a part of this empowering episode. If you resonated with our conversation and want to get access to Connor's book, his website, the Instagram, or if you feel the urge to explore these topics further with me, visit the show notes at alreadyfree.me slash 29. That's just two nine. Let's connect. I'd be honored to chat with you about what you're navigating, whatever challenges that might be, and find the path forward towards your own freedom. Remember, you are not alone in this journey, and together we all have a much better chance of remembering that we are already free from the limitations that we currently are being held back by. Alreadyfree.me slash 29 is where you'll find what you need. Until next time, stay curious, dear traveler. <laughs>